Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... When it comes to creating a long-term change in people's money behaviors or transforming their relationship with money in the long term, you need evidence-based age-appropriate solutions throughout a person's life because what they need when they're a teenager is different to their 20s, to their 30s, to their 50s, to their 60s. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 369 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Mariam Muhammad. Mariam is an entrepreneur, speaker, and facilitator. She is a Chief Diversity Officer at Superfierce, advocating to close the gender wealth gap in Australia by making super simple. In 2019, Mariam co-founded Money Girl, a social enterprise empowering women to become financially independent. She also teaches budding entrepreneurs at the University of Technology, Sydney, UTS, and accelerators around the country how to go from idea to launch. Mariam coaches changemakers on how to leverage a strong personal brand to amplify their impact. She has been recognized in the Australian Financial Review 100 Women of Influence list, 40 under 40 most influential Asian Australians, Marie Claire's Next 25 list, and 7 News Young Achiever Awards. Her work has been featured across Grazia, ABC, The Australian, Vogue, and more. On today's podcast, we will discuss the importance of providing greater financial inclusivity for women and individuals experiencing challenges and the positive impacts of enhancing and harnessing diversity in workplaces. Mariam, thank you very much for joining us. It's really exciting to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Indio. Excellent. So to start off, could you please share a bit about your background and then what led to your work in social enterprise? Of course, it was definitely not meticulous planning because I accidentally stumbled into social entrepreneurship. (laughs) In fact, I was pretty anti-business for a very long time until I discovered something called social enterprises. But to give you some context, I am a Pakistani woman and I came to Australia almost 10 years ago now for university. I am a survivor of gendered violence and I was rebuilding my life for the first couple of years that I was here. And I started working with other survivors of violence and eventually went into the refugee sector where I stayed for a couple of years. As I was rebuilding my own life and becoming more stable financially, money for me was one of the tools that helped me stay safe in life. That is true for everyone. 
But as I was working with other survivors of violence, I was noticing that this was a very common story where money was a tool that was being used against survivors, or it was one of the reasons that they would keep going back to situations of violence. I was thinking about long-term safety for myself, essentially. I needed a solution. And I was looking around then for solutions for myself and the clients that I was working with. And at that time, most of the financial education that I had access to was from American educators. And there wasn't as many resources or accessible resources in Australia. That's what led me down the path of entrepreneurship was just creating a solution that me and my peers needed. Really interesting background there. And a lot of learnings that have led you now into two of your current roles, where you're the chief diversity officer at Superfierce and also the co-founder of Money Girls. So can you share more about these enterprises and how they are helping women experiencing unique financial challenges? Yes, I absolutely can. I am so privileged to be working with two social enterprises, both of which are working specifically with women. So Super Fierce is a social enterprise that's working towards closing the gender wealth gap in Australia by specifically tackling the superannuation gap. And to put some numbers around that, women in Australia currently retire with about 47% less super than their male counterparts. And that means about 38% of Aussie women retire in poverty. That's why women over the age of 55 are the fastest growing segment of the homeless population in Australia. And that's for a lot of reasons. A lot of things contribute to it. We don't mandate superannuation over parental leave. We still have a gender wage gap of about 20, 22%. There's a lot of things that contribute to that, but that's the end result. That's what Superfierce is tackling. And the way they're doing it is by making financial advice around your superannuation accessible to everyone, including young people who can't afford traditional models of financial advice so that people can make sound decisions about their superannuation earlier in their lives and set themselves up to retire in safety and independence. Wow, really interesting. And what about Money Girl as well? So you're the co-founder of another social enterprise from a few years ago as well. So tell us a bit more about that. Money Girl is a social enterprise that is delivering financial education specifically for young women. Having said that, everybody needs financial education and we do cater to everybody. But that is a particular cohort. Young people in Australia have the lowest financial literacy. And that makes sense because this is a skill that people build over time. And then particularly for women who have been historically locked out of these conversations, there are additional barriers, cultural, gender, religious, that need to be taken into account. So Money Girl is working towards increasing young people's financial literacy again so that they can make good sound financial decisions for themselves and set themselves up for financial independence in the long term. 
those are two really fantastic social enterprises and the impact that they're creating just in that financial literacy and closing the gaps and that disadvantage, they're really important work. So thank you for sharing that with our audience there. And if we're looking a bit more now at one of your current roles at Superfierce, where you're a chief diversity officer there, could you share a bit more about what you're doing in that role, but also then what is the value created by effectively including people from diverse backgrounds and organizations? Absolutely. So my role, and I feel this is not just my job, this is just what I do in whatever space that I am in, including this space, is to talk about the intersectionality of any solutions and problems that we are talking about. So if we take the gender wealth gap, for example, the numbers that I quoted earlier are true for cis, able-bodied white women in Australia. Add any intersectionalities to that, and those numbers of how many women are retiring in poverty get significantly worse. That number is absolutely horrendous for Indigenous women in Australia, right? Significantly worse. People with disabilities, that number is significantly worse. The gender pay gap is significantly worse for women with disabilities, women of color, Indigenous women in Australia keep getting put at the bottom of all of the solutions. But when we talk about diversity or inclusion, that's what I'm doing. Whether we are speaking in the problem space or in the solution space. These are things for us to consider so that we can make holistic solutions that solve the problem for all people in the long term and are not just band-aid solutions. And therein are the benefits of having diversity in a room, whether that is your team and at various levels of organizations as well. You need diversity of all kinds at all different levels of your organization so that you are able to make good long-term decisions for the solution that you are creating. Otherwise, you end up with solutions that completely miss out on the crux of the problem or completely forget about a whole portion of the population. So those are all the benefits of having a diverse group of people at the table right from the start when you are creating the solutions. Really well spoken there. And it's just so clear of how all of that value can be created there and how it can create change for people who experience typically more disadvantage than other groups in Australia. So thank you so much for sharing that with our audience and Mariam. And if I'm going to pick your brain a bit about your experience with finances and your knowledge of finances in Australia, where do Australians commonly face challenges with managing their finances and how can smaller organizations and startups provide targeted solutions to these problems? One of the most common challenges with financial education, financial literacy, not just in Australia, this is across the globe, is that we have a lot of band-aid solutions that are shiny. And so people will get attracted to them. And because we have low financial literacy, particularly amongst some of the most vulnerable groups, like young people, 
vulnerable groups will fall for shiny band-aid solutions. Some of them may be scams, but not all of them are. There are a lot of like genuine solutions out there created with good intentions, but that are not evidence-backed. Mm. So they just give you little how-tos or tips about your finances. But when it comes to creating a long-term change in people's money behaviors or transforming their relationship with money in the long term, you need evidence-based age-appropriate solutions throughout a person's life because what they need when they're a teenager is different to their 20s, to their 30s, to their 50s, to their 60s. So you need evidence-based solutions that are delivered at the right time in people's lives. And at the moment, we don't really have an ecosystem like that in Australia or most other countries in the world. And this is a challenge across the globe people are tackling. As consumers, then, it becomes so hard in an increasingly digital world with endless options to know who to listen to. When it comes to creating solutions, I think it's important to keep in mind why we are doing it. Why are we creating a solution and look at the ecosystem more holistically within this country and more broadly and learn lessons from elsewhere in the world where it has been done or has been done better or things have already been tried and failed so that we don't repeat the same mistakes here. Because I do feel like, yes, we have low financial literacy amongst young people, for example, or particular segments. But Australia is a great place for us to run experiments of what financial education needs to be delivered, in what way, what model, what does a holistic solution look like, so that solution can be replicated across the globe. Why not us? Why can't Australia be the place where leading solutions are created for the rest of the world? I think that's what a lot of good people trying to help miss when thinking about how to solve problems is to think beyond just their lifetime and to think more holistically and long-term about why are we creating the solution that we are creating? What will help in the next 50, 100, 200 years? There's just amazing how many opportunities there are there to create that impact in that space there of financial literacy, education, and providing more of those solutions. And obviously, through some of your work at Super Fierce and Money Go, you're helping to tackle that and create that change in Australia. So thank you so much for doing so. And if we're looking now towards more opportunities as well, but instead shifting the angle of what we're talking about, what opportunities exist to create better support for women who are seeking to lead social impact through entrepreneurship like yourself? What I learned from my experience was that you don't lone wolf this. I learned that you need a very good support system around you to help you as the founder, like your personal self, but also the solution that you are creating. Because 
no one person will come up with the solution to these very complex problems that we are trying to solve more broadly in the social enterprise space. But also no one person is going to be the hero at the end either. There is no one savior. That's the whole point of creating community-centered solutions mm. is that you created with community. If I could pass one thing on, that would be don't try to do it alone because I was lucky to have my co-founder, Melissa Ma, but we did try to do it ourselves in the beginning until we learned that there is a whole community out there in Australia trying to do exactly the same thing, which is to create sustainable, long-term, community-centered solutions to social problems. At that time, we weren't as organized as we are today. Today, we have our national council, we have our state-based social enterprise councils, and those are great communities to tap into, even if you haven't started, but want to be in the space. So you can, you know what's going on, what support is available, and you are surrounded by people who just selflessly want to give because they want to create change in this world. There is no community really like the social entrepreneurship community. And it is such a beautiful space to be in. So don't try to do it alone. Make use of the community and stay in the community. Really beautiful advice, say, Marion, for anyone really seeking to enter that entrepreneurship space and trying to build that change within communities. So thank you so much for sharing that. And that's bringing us near the end of our interview now. I just have two questions left to ask quickly and just about some recommendations. So firstly, what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently that are creating a positive social change? Oh, yay. I have far too many examples. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the one that I have. I'm going to recommend... The one that I've most recently used, although I have such a long list of social enterprises that I use in my life, one of them is Welcome Merchant, which is a gift giving platform. And you can buy gift hampers and individual gifts that come from refugee owned businesses in Australia. I'm going to go ahead and recommend a few other ones that I love to use. Another one that I love to use is mixed chai because I'm a big chai person and mixed chai is a social enterprise that sustainably sources locally produced chai and 50% of their profits go to mental health organizations in Australia because a couple with a friend is a helpful solution on any good and bad day in life. Mm. Those are the two that come to mind amongst the very many social enterprises that I love to support. Two fantastic enterprises there. And to finish off now as well, what books or resources would you be recommending to our listeners? I thought about this one and for some reason that I am not sure what came up for me to recommend at this point is The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. I knew we would be talking about money and the social enterprises I work with. And because we were talking about creating long-term change, 
this is what came to mind. I didn't want to leave everyone with a Band-Aid solution. I wanted to plant a little seed of long-term change. So that's the recommendation. I'm going to leave the audience with Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Wonderful recommendation there. And all of those initiatives, enterprises, as well as Money Girl and Super Fierce. And for that book that you just recommended there, The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell, they'll all be linked in at the end of the article. So once the listeners have either listened to the podcast and had to listen to our conversation or They've just went to the website and read through the transcript. They'll be able to click on through, check those all out and get some really amazing knowledge there. So that actually brings us, Marin, to the end of our interview. And I just want to say on behalf of Impact Boom, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us and your insights with us so generously and making the time to have this conversation as well. There was a lot of really deep insights there, whether that's applying to social impact or entrepreneurship or financial inclusivity. So I know I got a lot out of it, so I'm sure that the audience will be as well. So once again, thank you so much. All the best in the future. Thank you, Indio. Thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.